following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome back, everybody, to another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. I'm Coach Larry. With me, as always, he's back in action today, Matt Keogh. Matt, missing yesterday, or missing yesterday, missing last week, but you're back, and you, we're coming in hot because you're already saying ow, so ow. that mic must be hot today. No, I shot myself. <laughs> a little, little electric. I love the electricity today. Dang. So, Matt, we're coming in hot with your electricity. What are you coming in hot with? Um, <laughs> I'm I'm switching it up on you. Popularity. I um I know people who are. I I was I was informing some of the kids that I coach that I have a podcast because I want my my friend Jake, who's another coach of mine, like a basically my teacher. Um, I want him to try to come on to our podcast one of these times as a guest. But I was talking to them about it, and they're like, you have a podcast? We're like, yeah. I was like, yeah. They're like, how many listeners? Probably thinking I was going to say like 400 or something. I was like, oh, like close to 11K. And they're like, you're famous. And I was like, oh, I'm famous than some like uh, Instagram stars. <laughs> 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 like I remember my my lady friend, she has I think a cousin that's like – she has like a couple thousand list, like followers on Instagram. But I was just like – I was like – so I remember when I was – potentially going to meet her she's like she's gonna brag about that i was like well i could just say that i have like over ten thousand listeners and we have consistently been I know. over the last like five six months yeah. four or five months we've been consistently over ten thousand. yeah yeah so it's like who cares i I'm feel st- i feel like more listeners on a spot like on a podcast is more of a brag than like followers on instagram oh for sure because followers on instagram is like a one and done kind of thing you follow somebody and then it's like just like there for yeah. podcasts it ranges Oh, absolutely. And I think even for a podcast, like it's, I don't think anybody's just clicking on a podcast to listen for 30 seconds and, ah, all right, next. Like, whereas in Instagram, you just scroll, scroll, see right. it, okay, scroll, like, whatever. So I, I think, I think it's, I think 11, almost 11,000 listeners is better than a few thousand Instagram followers, tweeters, what, what is it called? Instagrammers. The Twitters. The Twitters. The, the tweet machine. The tweet machine. I don't understand Twitter. I don't. My dad thinks he's famous. That's that's the only Twitter I have or Twitter I know. <laughs> yeah? What, what was that? Like Tweety Bird? Yeah. It's a little birdie. Little birdie told me. A little, told you what? I don't know. Told me that our podcast is the best. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> it's called Quicken, Quicken on Your Feet. Thinking on your feet. Quicking on your feet. Thinking quick on your feet. Ah, oh, dude, that shock really got me. All I right. Feel it. So we're going to stay with coming in hot here. Will Smith, the slap heard around the world. Yeah. Real fake setup. What do you... I... What do you think? I think it's real. I With the amount of backlash that he's gotten, why would you... Why would you make something up like that that's going to just 
you know has a big potential to just really blow up in your face. If it was just a slap, I could see maybe fake and it wasn't the get your, you know, keep keep, uh, my wife's name out your bleeping mouth. If he didn't yell that out twice, I could maybe, maybe a funny slapstick thing, whatever. Just the whole thing. I, I don't think anybody does that fake. No, I, I don't know. I mean, what's your what's your thought? I don't know. I want it so bad to be real. I do. I hate I hate actors like, and I hate like the whole like Oscar thing. And I, I but also on the other hand, I was like you got to remember, it's like it's Chris Rock. It's like he's gonna make fun of everybody and anybody. And that's just it. Yeah. It, I I think it was definitely an overreaction. I think it was a, a. He laughed at the beginning of it. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I think it was real. I think it's one of those things, and I get it. And this is these quote unquote theory that it's Jada's fault because she looked at him, so he had to play the alpha male and the protector, which very well could have been the case. Right. I think it was one of those deals, though, that he just overreacted. Maybe he didn't quite hear the joke. He was laughing at something beforehand, and he was, oh, wait a minute. It I, I I don't know what he was thinking. I think it was an overreaction, but I think it was I think it was real. I I, I really don't think you would fake something like that. What what good are you going to get out of it? He doesn't need the fame. He doesn't need the publicity. He had a you know uh, the movie. That, he had an Academy Award winning performance. I what just movie was that for? Uh, King Richard, the one about Serena and Serena oh, and yeah, uh, yeah, Venus's yeah, yeah. dad. Yeah. Which I didn't see the movie, but I've heard obviously great things about it. So I don't see why you need that. Yeah, that kind of publicity. Well, if it is real, Chris Brown, Chris Brown, pff, Chris Rock. Now talk uh, about real. <laughs> I was going to say Chris Brown. Chris, th- those were real hits. Um, no, Chris, um, Chris Rock took that hit at like a champ. I was going to say I do not know if. In fact, I'm I I don't know if I would have handled that as well as he did. Oh no! I mean, the fact that somebody just walks up to you and it looked like Chris Rock thought he was just going to play around, maybe yeah. you know, maybe at the worst case, uh, say something to him. I don't think he saw the hit coming, the slap coming, but to take a slap like that, as professional as and stay as professional as he did, man, I give him all the credit in the world. Because I don't know very many people who wouldn't have, like, gone right at him. Yeah, people would probably just have, like, walked out if that happened to them. They're just like, I'm done. And then just, like, leave. Nah, he kept going. He kept, he kept going. going. And he made fun of it. He was like, wow, we just had, what was it? We just, that's the greatest, be- thing, greatest thing that's ever television. happened in television. Yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, yeah, so people, it's like, oh, the Oscars are on. Like, are you going to watch it? Now I'm just be like... Kind of. I might watch the next one just to see. I was going to say, I didn't watch it this year. I can't remember the last year I've watched. If I've ever watched an Oscar performance, I guarantee you I'm watching next year's. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. So that's a little uh, coming in hot today. Um, Matt, uh, what are we talking about today? (laughs) Oh, um, um, interviews. Interviews, media, just just that in general in sports. Yeah. Um, have you ever been interviewed yet? Like, no. have you ever been interviewed even just for a little paper, for anything? Been quoted for gymnastics, been quoted even as an athlete. Had uh, a quote in the paper. 
No. I've never I've never been interviewed. I say very, very tentatively. Nothing that like obviously stuck out to me apparently, because nobody's stupid enough to like ask me questions. I for my kickball team, they were offering interviews to people, but they decided to not pick me because I I showed up to this interview. I showed up to what they were interviewing wearing a pink bucket hat and orange sunglasses, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure my jorts, um, and like my cutoff shirt. And I did this in order to be able to see myself when it was on the evening news and point out to my girlfriend. I was like, there's me in the pink hat. <laughs> but uh, on the other hand, they're probably like, we don't want this person like close on camera. <laughs> so you were on the interview. They just didn't like, like I was in the background. <laughs> I was in the background, but they were like, we are not asking you to speak or talk to us. It was like six in the morning, too. Oh, yeah. Six in the morning and you're playing kick. Who's playing kickball at six in the morning? I did. Why? I, I also played beach volleyball. At six in the morning? Mm-hmm. Downtown. No. At Waterworks. No. Yeah. No way. I think it was like a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not me. Uh, I just, I don't even want to play late at night like even if it's like 9 10 I at love night playing late night games well it's like i play soccer at like 11 o'clock sometimes that's a big reason why i kind of stopped with the the adult leagues for soccer for indoor soccer because they were so late i mean when you're playing a game at 9 30 10 10 30 you're working all day long a lot of times you're i mean coaching for me it just got to the point where i'd have to get to work by seven teach all day then go to coaching, coach from 3.30 to 5, 5.30, especially if we had a game be done by 6, 6.30. If I had play a game at 9.30, 10, I'd go home, grab something to eat, play at 10. I'd be exhausted. Yeah, like, it was yeah. just way too much. It's so fun, though. And I get it, especially for indoor, because you have to. There's only so many times that you can uh, rent field times. Right. But that was one of the biggest reasons why I stopped. I stopped playing. I mean, obviously, like, the younger we are, I think the little easier it is for us to do it. I mean, but you still, it's still just like, especially if you have, like, an 11 o'clock game, like, you already ate dinner, you're sitting at your house, you're digesting, you're unwinding, and then you're just like, I gotta go, I gotta go play a game now. Like, I gotta, like, you're driving to the, to the, uh, the center, and you're just like, I'm so tired. <laughs> and then as soon as you walk through the door, you're just like, whoo! let's go let's go do some stuff <laughs> and, and that's totally me like you can ask i mean ask vicky my wife when i sit on the couch i'm done for the night i mean i'll get up i have to walk the dogs of course after i feed them i get up for the bathroom i get up for the bathrooms you know to make the uh the, the run to the fridge but no seriously i'm done for the night like when i get home after i eat after i sit down and watch a little tv to unwind I'll get up and do some chores around the house, but as far as getting back into my car and going somewhere, I don't want to do it. Yeah, I, I sometimes I feel that. Sometimes I, I have weird bursts of energy, and you know, it's like I've been dragged out when I'm just been dead tired, and I end up like going for a lot longer than the people that dragged me out. I don't I don't know. I'm weird. Like if you get me 
going and you get me into a social setting, I'm wired at that point. But like sometimes I'm just not. It, it's weird. I'm very sporadic. I'm not I'm not um what is the nice word of saying this? Um predictable like you. Okay. So you're a little uh uh what's it, eccentric? Yeah, like Sometimes you'd like I'd come home. They're like, "Are you like staying home for the rest of the night?" I'd be like, "Yeah." And then like two hours later, it's like, "No, I'm gonna go out." <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, maybe I don't know. Uh, they're like, "It's a Tuesday." It's like, okay. So and so said they wanted to watch the new Attack on Titan episode. Why? Why not? <laughs> so Matt's all about being Mister Spontaneous over there. Just hey, if it, if you want to do something, you do something. I think that is something with age where I was definitely a little bit more like that in my 20s, but now in my 40s, I'm very, very predictable with my days. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm very much, and I think a lot of people are like this, when you you get to a point where you're kind of, you get overtired, like when you're out, you get oh, yeah. overtired, yeah. and it's almost like you just, I don't know about anybody else, but for me, I get really goofy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll, it's like, all right, I'm out, I'm here. I'll originally be, initially be like a little cranky, but like, oh, all right, this is just, but then you get to that point where you're just kind of overtired. You go like insane, really. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, okay, let's, you know, you're here, let's have some fun. Well, so when I was working at camp last year, um, I got coerced into doing like the AM cleanup crew. So I'd have to come in like an hour and a half early basically to like leaf blow and stuff our campus before kids got dropped off. So I'd wake up probably around six to get there at seven. So I would, and then work the full day and then go home. And like, if it was a Monday, I'd be from work to kickball and probably not get home until like 10 o'clock. And then, so after doing that for like a f- four weeks out of the six, you, I was so tired and I just kept going and I'd record, we'd record Tuesdays after camp and it's like after every day of camp, it always felt like I had something going on that like I just could not sleep and I just had to keep, and it it eventually piled up to the point, like I like to do like this thing, like I'm sitting there and like my girlfriend's like, oh, like, He's like, you okay? And I was just like, I've gotten 16 hours of sleep in the past eight days. <laughs> like, and, it's, and it's actual math because like, I sit there and I was like, okay, for the past two days, that's 48 hours. I got eight. Eight hours of sleep. And science actually says that being sleep deprived is the equivalent of dropping tabs of acid. The way your mind, like the chemical imbalances in your head, that's why you start acting weird and you see stuff. I could see that because definitely there's been times where I've I've gone out, haven't had a a drop to drink or yeah. anything, and you feel you almost get that drunk, euphoric feeling. Yeah, that drunk just yeah, all right. Let's you know that crazy drunk guy. Yeah, and it, it's it's weird. I I would drive home from my girlfriend's house. Like, cause she lives now in Orchard Park. I drive home, and not only would I fight the urge to fall asleep at the wheel, um, I would. So, like, the closer I got to home, and the more tired I'd get, I would. I swear to you, I'd see figures and stuff, just like on the side, like on like trees and stuff. Like, I straight up was hallucinating, um, and that was like a sign. I was like, I need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, eventually you catch up with your sleep and then you're just like, I feel invincible. And then you try to do it again. And 
It's all the same. <laughs> For sure. Now, have you ever, there's been times bringing it into the coaching world, and I swear we'll get back to media in sports, but bringing it into the coaching world with tiredness, there's been games where it's been a, especially during the indoor season or even during soccer, where it's been a long day of coaching or maybe you had a, you know, a longer night where you just couldn't sleep. You get up, you have to, like you said, you have to teach beforehand or work. Uh, I teach, you know, 3 o'clock. I get into my building at about 7.30. I'm gone at about 3.05. Mm-hmm. And then get to the field. If there's times where a games, there's been times where I'm driving to the game and be like, oh, my God, I'm exhausted. But then the second you get out of your car, the second you start getting into your coaching routine, whether you're setting up the field or, or bringing the balls out for practice or for warm-ups, for me, it's just like you get a shot of adrenaline where you're like, okay, let's we're here. Let's do this. Let's get everybody fired up because I know that if I go into a game with that, oh, my God, I'm why do we be here? I'm dead. Yeah. Like it's going to carry right on to oh, your yeah. team 100%. and you're going to be done before the first whistle even blows. Yeah. Um, so there's been times where I've had to n- not really fire myself up, but I'll be in the car. Next thing you know, five minutes of the field, I turn on some heavy metal or I get things in the car going a little loud just to wake myself up, get that, get that adrenaline rush. And by the time I get to that field, I'm fired up and ready to go. <laughs> Now, did you ever have that even just as a player? I had that as a player and as a coach, both within this year. One time I went to go play a soccer game at 11 o'clock at night. Um, or was it like 9? I think it was 9 because it was 24 hours. Um, I went to go play a soccer game 24 hours after getting my second COVID, like my first COVID booster. So, Ooh. oh yeah. So my, <laughs> my body was just like aching and tired and I felt sick, and I was like, as soon as I stepped on the field, I just got like this like surge of energy. And then as so- and then I didn't come off the field that night because as soon as I got off the field, my body was like, <laughs> so like as soon as you stop, your body's just like it hits you. And then for coaching, I I for I can't be tired because if you're tired coaching gymnastics and you have to spot, you will you will miss your spots. So I try to, like, if I walk into the gym, usually I get in there before people are there. Sometimes there might be parents sitting up there waiting for the classes to start, but I'll just, like, do, like, some, like, big knee jumps or, like, I'll scream. Not, like, a like a violent scream. Just get, like, a woo, like, and stuff like that and, like, start running and stuff. Like, basically, and people are like, what are you doing? And I was, like, making sure I don't fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's funny um, – at our home games at Ken East, we have, and, and a lot of stadiums do this, or a lot of uh, especially varsity teams that play on the turf field, the football field, they'll have music playing, some type of music playing during the uh, warm-ups. And a couple times, the person who does our our warm-ups or our announcing, you know, they'll ask, hey, what do you want to play? You know, coach, what do you want today? And there's been a couple times where, like, listen, just give me a few 90s grunge songs. Give me some, Nirvana. You know, Nirvana, some ACDC, something. And I'm usually the one, especially the last couple of years, I'm warming up the goaltender, uh, our goaltender, George, uh, warming her up. And I'm sitting there as I'm giving warm-up shots. I'm like, you know, head bobbing to the music or skipping up and down. And, you know, some of the kids will look like, Coach, what are you, are you trying to dance? What are you doing? Sometimes it's just for me to stay amped up. Other times it's just because it's cold. 
it's cold on that field. And I'm like, listen, you guys get to run around and play. After warm-ups, I got to, like, stand on the bench. I can't sprint. Do you sweat when you when you coach? Like, do you get into it? Yeah, I, I mean, you do get into it, but, like, you physically get into it? Absolutely. I, I wouldn't say I sweat, but there's been times, especially in close games, if it's a one-goal game either way or it's tied going late, there's been times where I'll have to take a seat on the bench a little bit because you're just not it's not the fact that you're screaming to because you're frustrated or yelling but you're just yelling out the plays yelling out you know instructions to your team out there I'm like oh I gotta sit down a second and then get back up it's just you get that you get definitely those adrenaline those adrenaline drops those but those adrenaline hits as well I mean <laughs> I I was more or less thinking like of like I remember a couple times when I was coaching, it was like, it was rackly. It was like, obviously, house league soccer because, you know, it's fun, but I, I take everything seriously. So I would be the coach, not only yelling, but like, I would just be like, jumping up and down. Yep. And like, I'd be like, who did you see? Like, I'd get like really, like, I was half like half bystander just watching the game and half coaching it. So I'd get really like <laughs> really engaged with it. We definitely, I definitely get animated on the sideline and Jamie, who was on our show, Jamie Rapel, she, she's definitely into it. I think I'm a little more animated than right. she is. She's a little more reserved, but I wouldn't even say reserved. She's definitely yelling as much as I am. She's definitely out there. Um, making sure that everything's going smoothly, yelling instructions, talking to the girls on the benches. She stays, as far as like motion, she stays a little bit more conserved where I'm a little more, I, I definitely am the more jumpy around. But there's been times too where my body language, um, like sectional game, I just, I tried to do, and maybe, I, I don't know, in my mind I thought maybe I was intimidating the other team oh and the other team's coaches. Where I would still be yelling, but I would just be more of the hands crossed, more of like just the Bill Belichick, um, but at the same time giving encouragement, at the same time coaching, not changing the way that I coach my team, but trying to just stay a little bit more composed. <laughs> you can see the game's getting really good. Coach Lair's getting all sweaty again. <laughs> <laughs> he's not moving. I know. It's, it's impressive that he's sweating and not moving. <laughs> Well, there's been a there's been a couple seasons, especially the last the last few, where I was glad as a coach that I had to wear the face masks because it kept me warm. Yeah. Because it is it's cold on the sidelines. It is very cold, and it's like the kids are coach. Why are you so chill? Why are you freezing? Why are you freezing? But like, okay, it's forty five degrees out. I'm cold because I can't run around. I might be jumping a little bit to stay warm, but you guys are actually sprinting up and down the field. You guys can stay warm. I yeah. can't. And then it's 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 unfortunate for the bench player. I remember I was caught in a rain and a complete rainstorm. And oh, those fall, are the worst. In the fall, so like you have like the wind and the cold and the wet. And I was injured, so I just had to sit on the bench and I was just shivering <laughs> because, like, I'm dressed for the game, so I'm in shorts and a t-shirt, just rocking back and forth with the other injures because we're injuring people because we were just so cold. <laughs> they were just like, "Can we go on the bus? You're not putting us in for a reason." Yeah, we still won that game, but it wasn't worth it. Now I remember early on in my coaching career, like my first, I'd say first two or three years, even four years when I was at Park. I tried to be the 
the guy who like even during the cold the colder parts as it got in later into the season like october even in the mid to late october when you're towards the end of the season even if it's especially if it's sectionals or playoffs i tried to be that coach where i was still out there in just you know your your adidas pants just your your um usually i wear a polo uh, a polo some dress like a dress top yeah but not a dress top like a, a polo top just a coaching like top like a, like a nice dress yeah Formal dress. You know, formal dress. You know, a sundress. Prom dress. Yeah. <laughs> no, not wearing dresses on the sideline. But no, just, you know, coach's attire, but no jacket. Like, whether it was long sleeve or short sleeve, no jacket. Okay. I was always like, I got to be as I gotta be as tough as my players. If I can act like it's warm, my players aren't going to have that excuse that it's warm. Later in my career, especially in my 30s, 40s, I'm like, all right, then the jackets came on. Now, I'm not going to lie, when it gets cold, the gloves are on, the jackets are on, the hat is on. Well, the hat's always on, but there's been times where I'll have a winter, like a winter, smaller winter cap under my fedora, and the kids make fun of me for that, but I've got the the times that it's really cold, I have those, what are they, the the feet warmers that you can like oh, put yeah. in your shoes, Yeah. the hand warm. I mean, I try to stay as warm as as possible. I try not to dress warmly. I don't know why. I think it's just for me to like spite like the authority of telling me it's like, oh, yeah. but like, I'll tell you, when I went to that Bills game, that playoff game, I dressed warm. I dressed warm. <laughs> I was just like, there's a difference between being stubborn and being stupid. I told you that Jets game, the last game of the season, the Bills Jets game, I was, it took me like two days to recover from that game. I was so, my, my back just hurt. Because it was so cold. Well, it's it. it I have I had no idea, like how much just being in the cold, even if you're just warm, can take it out of you. Because I got home and I was like, I am so tired. Oh, I was exhausted. Like I was just like, I didn't do anything. Yeah. Like I was just, and I don't, I don't know if I ever said this on here, but I remember when we were at the game. Like for anybody who don't know that the Bills Patriots playoff game this past year was like negative, like. 12 wind chill or something i think it was negative three altogether yeah and it was it was negative three standing i think yeah and i think like negative 12 wind chill <laughs> so we're standing there and there's this chick in front of us who wore a coat opened with jeans and a crop top and i was just like why nobody here is here to look at you we oh. all came here to watch grown men hit each other <laughs> <laughs> like nobody here is to look at you like dress war it was like at that point I was just like screw it <laughs> I hope you get frostbite. Now did you have I did the jersey over the jacket like oh, I had gosh. I had the sweater I had the jacket on I had the winter jacket and everything on but then I threw my Bills jersey over the winter jacket like I brought one of my bigger one of my bigger jerseys right and so I still I was still rocking the jersey but I was still rocking that that winter jacket no I, I i did that for the falcons game when i went to the falcons game two weeks before i put it over my my thing but at this game i did not do that i had hood up jacket face mask like gloves gloves snow pants and a lot of people there were not wearing jerseys a lot of people there were just wearing just like red but like a lot of snow stuff yeah, I had all my snow stuff, but I had it. I had the jersey on over top. I had to squeeze a little bit yeah. to get it over top there. But and then if I looked to my right, I would see Ryan Fitzpatrick shirtless. 
<laughs> I'm not kidding you. I really thought he was coming back this he was, year. He was to my right. I really thought he was coming back this year. Yeah, we got we got Matt Castle. No, we don't. We have no. Matt Barkley. And we and have Case Keenum. Isn't it Case Keenum? Yeah. Yeah. And um Did you did you hear what Tyre Kale said about the first game first practice he did with Tua? No. He said playing with Tua or going from Mahomes to Tua is like trading in your Ferrari for a Honda Civic. Ooh. Really? Uh-huh. <laughs> Talk about making friends. Dude, you wanted to go to either to the Jets or to the Dolphins, both of which do not have quarterbacks. Why would you think that's a good idea? And then you're complaining about it. You, I get you wanted to get paid, but also, like, I guess you just don't want to win. Talk about making friends. Now, that leads us right into, again, media and sports. Is it? I did that on purpose. You did. That's a great transition. Is it, is it different nowadays? Like, is it really that different from even athletes from the early 2000s or from the 90s? No. I think it's I think it's definitely different from athletes from the 80s and the 70s well, where yeah. you're talking, you're getting interviewed by just, you know, people from the press, the paper. They might pick up a story here or there. But once you get home, once you, you know, you might go out as long as you don't do something stupid that's getting you arrested, it's pretty easy for those athletes, probably pretty easy to, for to them to stay out of the spotlight. Where nowadays, I think even compared to the athletes from the early two thousands, it's you're just in you're in the spotlight almost twenty four seven. Well, I feel like the athletes are becoming more and more like they want that. So you look at like the eighties, the seventies, and the eighties, and like I don't know, like uh, when did Pistol Pete play basketball? Was he like 60s? I think that was 60s. Yeah, like so, maybe got into the 70s. So 60s, 70s, Pistol Pete, you look, for example, great basketball player, but like, you know, wasn't like really crazy off the court. You fast forward to the 90s, and then you have players like Dennis Rodman, uh, Charles Barkley. They, they kind of s- were seeking out that attention outside of the court. And then you go to the, the 2000s. Uh, you have Ron Artest picking fights with people. You have uh, Jermaine O'Neal picking fight with people. You have um, Terrell Owens crying on on. That's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. And then also giving a full interview while doing crunches outside of his house. Um, and then and, and stepping on the star in Dallas purposefully. And then you go to the 2012s, like 2010s. You have Marshawn Lynch saying, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Clearly he knows what he's doing. And then you go and fast forward closer to 2020. You have Antonio Brown throwing stuff out of his window and, and being released by multiple teams. And, and, and what then, was it? Juju Smith-Schuster? What was he doing? Like TikToks? Yeah, on Juju the- Smith-Schuster was doing TikTok dances. Um he he and uh, Tyreek Hill calling out a quarterback. Like, I think that not only is it making it easier, I think they true like athletes are developing into like a more of like not all, but there's definitely like a more progressive diva being formed. Like you can see it throughout the the decades where like yeah, it's harder to be out of the spotlight, but there's a lot that want that more. Absolutely. Now, do you think a lot of those? It's the hey. N- no news is good news. Like any new, any publicity, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Like anything, as long as my name is out there, good, bad, indifferent, I just want to be out in the center of attention. So I want to get those, 
what even if it's bad news, that's going to get me more advertisers. Even if it's bad publicity, as long as it's not illegal, even if it's bad publicity, even if it maybe shines me in a in a negative light, I'm still going to get those those sponsorships. I'm still yeah. going to get those those hits on Twitter or those uh, Instagram followers. Do you think it's just they don't care? It's just listen. I'm, my name's got to be out there. I got to be uh, what's it called clickbait or I got to get my 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 hits in. Some some definitely care just about that. I think some try to utilize their platform and their accessibility and their popularity as or their as a platform. That's what I meant to say um, to talk about stuff that like they want to like so they try to draw in attention for a reason like they're trying to like talk about something rather than like you know athlete activists could do that and then there's just the ones that just want the attention because they're attention seekers and then like for and then like people just don't care what they think like antonio brown i truly think does not care like what people think of him and yet he keeps like complaining about why he is like why his his he's still a free agent and like his 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 stock is going down and it's like probably because you're like you're notorious for being crazy but he's not changing that because i think that's the tension he wants like to i think to was a perfect example i think that's all he wanted i think once to got to a certain point in his career i agree i think if you look back in T.O.'s career, when he was a younger receiver with the 49ers, he wasn't really that f- vocal, that flashy. He was more of a teammate. I mean, okay, he still got his name out there, but he was more about making the plays. I think with him, once he got a little bit more advanced in his age, once he maybe his skills started you know, at least going on the decline— he realized, hey, I've got to get my name out there somewhere. I've got to get these teams looking at me for something. I've got to keep my my name fresh on their on their minds. Right. I think that's when some of the antics started. Maybe the diva ish behavior. Again, he was never. I'm not saying he went from being a boy scout to a diva, right. but it definitely seemed later on in his career where he ramped it up more and more. And remember that. <laughs> What was it, uh, his reality TV show that he had? Yeah, a reality TV show. He had a reality TV show for, I think, one season or two seasons. In fact, it was the season that he was coming to Buffalo because on his reality TV show, remember when he got the key to the city? Was it was that in Philadelphia? No, he got the key to the city in Buffalo. Oh, yeah. That was on his reality TV show. I forgot what it was. Maybe it was just the Twirl Owens show. I'm looking at um, it now. But it was, it, he had a reality TV show, and I think it was just, hey, keep my name out in the public, keep my name out. In fact, he's making a comeback now where he's playing with Johnny Manziel in the fan league, or whatever it's called, the fan base. Johnny Manziel's not playing anymore. No, Johnny Manziel is playing. I thought he officially stopped trying. No, in that seven-on-seven fan-run league or whatever, oh, yeah. whatever I knew it T.O. is. T.O. was playing. I didn't know Johnny Manziel was. Johnny Manziel and, and uh, Terrell Owens are playing on the same team. But, yeah, Terrell Owens had his own reality TV show. But I definitely think it's they're just getting their names out there. They're building their brand. The T.O. show. The T.O. show. It was the Terrell Owens show, the T.O. show. There's three seasons. Did it run that long? Yeah. I wonder who's the cast. 
It was I Terrell know it was, Owens. It was uh, Terrell Owens and like two of his. I don't know if one was a publicist and one was a friend. Um, Carly Klinkenborg. Okay, that's a name. <laughs> I don't know why it says the To Show TV series 2009 to. There's no end date except clearly there's an end date because it's not around anymore. Or is it? I want to see where you can watch it. I think it was on VH1. I think it was a VH1 show. Cast of Ocho Cinco. What? Yeah, he might have had his own reality. The Ultimate TV show. Catch, another reality TV show. I feel like I feel like in the 2000 2005 and Just above. Just the wide receivers had like Yeah, they started getting the Reality TV show, and wasn't it, was Ocho Cinco the one that was on Dancing with the Stars? Yeah. Well, let's talk about Ocho Cinco for a second. The man changed his name to Ocho Cinco because that's the number he wore, even though that's not 85 in Spanish. I know. (laughs) It's just 8-5. Yeah. It's not 85, and I think that's the funniest thing ever. And he legally changed his name. Oh, yeah. Legally, he changed it back. Yeah, he changed it back to Chad Johnson. But still, can you imagine going in and signing like a a mortgage or a, a legal document as Ocho Cinco? Could you imagine being the person working in the town hall that like has that job of like stamping papers for name changes? I wonder what stuff you actually like. And are it's not cheap. To. It's not cheap to change your name. I looked into it. Did you really? What did you look into changing? I was just going to add a name to my middle name, my original name. I was going to say, it's not cheap. No. Well, I technically had a name before. My name's been legally changed before. Is it really? Mm-hmm. First name? Uh, Yeah. What was your, or is that is that private information? No, my first name was Hunter. Okay. So you After cha- uh, Jim Kelly's son. Uh-huh. So when did you change it legally to Matt? Um, It was changed by my parents. Like, as, like, early on, or? Yeah. So, officially, my, my birth certificate was, like, had Hunter on it, and then my mom changed it. Was it the... Hunter Matt Keo or Matt Hunter. just? Hunter. Hunter was the name that I was given first, and then my parents wanted to change it to Matt, so they switched it. But I always wanted to kind of put Hunter in my middle name, too. So like Matthew Hunter? Well, so I have a middle name, um, but I wanted just to add Hunter to that. So, like, have two middle names. A little hyphen in there? Yeah, but it's like, uh, that's so much paperwork that I just am too lazy to do. <laughs> Maybe one day. Maybe one day. That's the dream. Yeah, but, um, um, yeah, I did look into it before. But I would, like, it's so stupid. But that's another thing. In the media, changing your name to get attention. And yep. now it's before a lot of it was into the pros with the name image, image and likeness, it's college sports. Here we come. I mean, Bryce Young, what was it, a million dollar deal before the kid even threw a football at Alabama, before even spring and spring training? Bama. Bama. I mean, can you imagine going into Going into a college program, not just a college football program, but the college football program, a perennial national champion college program. He's a sophomore. He's a sophomore. You go in there, and before you even throw a pass for that team, you have 
a million dollar contract. Yeah. You're going in as a starter. You're going in as a young kid. Can you imagine even just going into college as a regular average Joe student with a million dollars in your bank account? Guess what his major is? Um, I would hope finance. No. Phys ed? No. <laughs> Basket weaving? No, it's one of those typical ones that you'd expect a, like a D1 football player to have, though. Poli sci? No. All right, what, what do we got? Communications. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, and he's younger than me. Now that's another thing you see a lot a lot more athletes going into broadcasting going into being an analyst afterwards do you think some of this social media nonsense or twitter nonsense the way they carry themselves do you think that's helping or hurting their chances to get onto a big uh channel like ESPN NFL helping. network help are you kidding me the way that like TV is going nowadays they want big big figureheads that are like controversial because they know they'll draw in views i still think they want though that level of professionalism it's no they want professionalisms but they also want the crazy to equal out so you think so you think even somebody like like uh tyree kill making those comments you think he's that's they're looking at it like all right that's pretty good or do you think he's gonna have to explain some of those twitter responses even if he continues to make them well i was just gonna say there's no way tiger kill would ever be put into broadcasting because the table's too high um <laughs> shots fired but um i'll i'll fight tiger kill <laughs> tiger kill let's start a boxing match i'll pull logan paul stuff um, celebrity boxing um nah, it's all right i probably could just hold him out with one hand um i really don't like tiger kill um i don't like patrick mahomes either but he's a little bigger of a dude um, you know, Tyreek, the thing about Hill is that I think he's just going to burn bridges with his own team. I don't care what anybody else thinks. And I don't think he does. I don't, the, the most important one is like, if you're dissing your quarterback, probably not the best idea. But that's just it. Do you think these players like Antonio Brown, Tyreek Hill, possibly who are burning bridges with their teammates, are they, is that? going to carry them into the professional world like is that good for their rep or are we going to start seeing these guys not getting those jobs or maybe lasting a a season or two and that's it oh i feel like they don't want to do that anyways i don't feel like that's the path that they were gonna take like you look at like peyton manning for example like the mannings they were never those kind of people and they ended up being like broadcasters those are the kind of players that will eventually go that route the like antonio brown tos um they don't want that they want something bigger than that well to i know he used to for a little bit be an analyst for the nfl network is a he little. St- is he still i don't think so like again tony romo Tony Romo is the kind of guy you'd think is like, eh, he'd be an announcer. And he is. But, like, you won't say that about, uh, I, don't, I don't know, just like, <laughs> Juju Smith-Suster. He's not going to be an announcer. Are you kidding me? No. No. Bart, Bart Scott, I love him. Yeah? Like, Bart Scott's one of those guys where he was big trash talker. I mean, he was like, you know, let's go. Um, and I think he does a fantastic job. At ESPN, I think he might have been at the NFL Network for a while too, but just he was one where he's outstanding. He he might be one of the trash talkers that does a great job as an announcer, where he just he keeps it like he was a trash talker on the field. 
He, he knows how to still bring that intensity on as a as a broadcaster or as an announcer. Not an announcer, sorry, as a broadcaster, but just or analyst, but just keeps it professional. Right. Like knows how to call out a player, knows how to call out a team without calling them out. You know what I mean? I my favorite announcer by far was um John Madden. And not because, you know, he's the late great John Madden. I just think I don't when I play Madden, especially like with friends of mine, I always like really rip into John Madden. Just because of like he just like, you know, a touchdown is when you get the football in the end zone. And you know, we're playing good football means that you're playing good football. You know, you're playing good defense you know, and good offense. You know, Brett Favre he throws the football and that makes him a great quarterback. No, John, that's just makes him he's a quarterback because he throws the football. Boom. I just I just wish that there was like a, an announcer that was paired with him that he'd say something and then the other announcer would be like yeah, <laughs> like kind of just be kind of just like, oh gosh, why? And it's like, he's like, you see this right here? This pass really, th- this play really worked out because he, boom, hit the guy open and that guy caught the ball, ran in for a touchdown and be like, very good, John. That That is exactly what happened. Well, that's why it was, they were the best pairing in announcing for football or just announcing in general. But yeah. Pat Summerall and John Madden, where Pat Summerall <laughs> could sit there and just paint a beautiful picture, like just, and he's at the 15, the 20, the 25, Drop, you know, he drops back. Like, he could just paint you the picture of the game, and then you got, and John, what do you think? Well, you see there, you know, you go boom, and then he went in, and he missed him, and he went whoop, and then, you know, he tried, and he, he went over to the middle, and then he went boop, and then there's a first down. And then because he got the first down, well, you know they're going to get three more plays unless they throw an interception or they fumble the ball or, you know, maybe they score a touchdown on two plays. We never know. And then Patches Summerall just yeah. goes back into, you're right, John, and here comes the play. But it was just, it was perfect. It's like a fine painter, and then boom, comes a kid with Crayola crayons, just rub it all over it. But like, and it's like, no matter what, I think the best part was, is no matter what, like, they could be analyzing a defensive play right now. They'll be like, this, like, this, like that was a good five-yard sack by the defense. And John would be like, what do you think, John? It's like, well, you know, if Brett Favre was in there, that would have been a 10-yard sack. It's like, Brett Favre doesn't play defense, John. Yeah, but Brett Favre can do anything. It's like, no, okay, except only win one Super Bowl. But, oh, well, now he's a jeans salesman for um, Levi. <laughs> But I think you. I think for me, those announcers. Well, I guess I don't know if you'd call them announcers or analysts because you color got the, commentators. The color commentators. Where I think those are the best pairings, though, where you have the actual broadcaster who does the game, paints that picture like Nance and Romo, and then you've got Tony Romo who just gives the insight as a player, where he knows what's going on in those huddles. And for Romo, I love it when he'll come out and well. Look, the way they're lined up here, don't be surprised if they throw a little screen pass and next thing you know, yeah. there comes the screen pass. Or watch for watch for digs on a cross route here. They're going to come over to him because the safety dropped down, so it's going to leave the left side wide open. I mean, it's just those insights because he's I mean, he's done that his entire career. That's what he was that's what he was an he was a pro athlete, pro quarterback. That's what he was you know, studied to do over and over and over again, and now he's he's bringing that to the 
the broadcast booth. <laughs> now, if you see here, he's got the game-winning touchdown to win the Super Bowl. I don't know what that feels like because I've never been there. But I'm just going to go with it. But I've played quarterback for years. Again, never been in this situation before. I don't know why these guys aren't so excited after just one playoff win because yeah. that's all I ever got in my career. Well, and then like you look at like you have like the two equal pairing and then you have Chris Collinsworth who just is like another John Madden, but he's just like, Oh my gosh, Patrick Mahomes is amazing. Don't don't, don't disrespect John Madden and compare him to Chris Collinsworth. Chris Collinsworth I'm sorry, you'll fight Tyreek Hill, I'll fight Chris Collinsworth. Chris Collinsworth he is, is the such- worst announcer like he should not be in the booth you know patrick mahomes is doing great they're getting blown out of the water right now yeah but all he needs to do chris shut up just shut up <laughs> what, what what are you on like pay patrick mahomes payroll i think he truly is or he has a secret crush on patrick mahomes but not only that he'll go into the game giving, already already with it's either the favorite or or the bigger market, like even if the Bills were a favorite, but if they were playing Dallas, he's instantly jumping on Dallas's bandwagon. Or if it's the if it's the Carolina Panthers when they were good and the New York Giants who were terrible, he's instantly on yeah. the New York Giants. He's either on the favorite or the bigger market, and it's it's not only. I mean, every announcer has a little bit of bias. Like, I'm not gonna lie. If I was announcing He's Bills not games, a little bit of bias. Yeah, though. he makes it like sh- he makes it squarely known. Hey, I like this team. I don't like that team. I'm favoring this team today. I'm not favoring and that team. And it doesn't even change, even if they're losing. Yeah. Like, it does not change. And that's Such it's BS. so unprofessional. Like, so unprofessional. Yeah. I mean, if I was announcing games, even on a national level. And if it was a Bills game against somebody, all right, I might show a little bit of favoritism. I might show a little bit like Josh Allen's maybe make a comment or two. But I would like to think I'm going to at least call it, be professional on it, call it as it is. Oh, my God. But he just makes no bones about it. But, like, I really think that that, uh, catch and run by Tyreek Hill for 35 yards is really going to spar sparked uh, Kansas City on to victory. Really, they're down by 21 with five minutes left in the game. That 35-yard catch is going to spark them onto a victory? Come Patrick on. Mahomes can do anything. He, You do know he uh, he called me once. <laughs> did, did he, Chris? Well, no, it's like, and, and it, it, I wish he was a sideline announcer sometimes. Because you know the scene from the longest yard where like they realize that the refs are calling the game in favor of the guards. So Adam Sandler purposely drills the ref twice in the balls. <laughs> I would so want like say Josh Allen does it and then he walks over and is like, Are you gonna call the game fairly now? Uh-huh. Good job. And then just walk away. It's like he really needs to get like kicked in the nuts to just be like, dude, stop. Stop it. Just call the game fairly. Do your job. Nobody wants to hear you. Like, if I wanted to hear a biased announcement, I would listen to, like, for hockey, for example, when I watch, like, the Capitals play, I usually watch the Capitals, like, stream because it's Capital, like, own announcers who tend to favor the Capitals. I listen to that for a purpose, but for like TV stuff, you don't get that. Like they're supposed to be neutral, supposed yeah. to be neutral. 
unless, and we're talking hockey, thank you for bringing that up, we'd be remiss to not bring up the, in my opinion, greatest sports announcer, greatest uh, hockey amazing. announcer by far, Rick Jenneret, who they had the appreciation game uh, on April 1st, and I wish I would have gone. But talk about an announcer that there will there will never be, I'm sorry, there will never be an announcer like Rick Jenneret. And I say that in all the most utmost respect that I could have for a person. He just not only, there's one word that I could use to respond. It's just magical. It's just magical. I mean, the fact that he can take a moment, even when he was, I remember back in the day when he was just strictly on the radio, just doing radio games, there'd be times that uh, we'd be driving home from wherever, soccer practice, um, and listening to the games on the radio, even now, just listening to the games on the radio. But as a kid, being in the back seat, you could just literally close your eyes, yeah, you and could... you could picture the entire game. The way he just he brought that announcement, he brought the the passion, the intensity, and said it so eloquently. He did. And a lot of times, and even uh, I think it was Rob Ray who was saying that he really writes no notes. Yeah, no, he like, just off the cusp. Yeah. Like he just he'll have the lineup card in front of him so that he can get numbers and this and that, but he just he it's he's flying off the seat of his pants. And he's like John Madden, like just like making up like those like stupid sayings and stuff sometimes. But it didn't sound bad. Like it it I remember I remember hearing his voice. I can still hear it. Like just when my dad, you know, in between my dad yelling and and sometimes saying the occasional swear word because the sabers sucked when i was a kid <laughs> um but like in, in in between that i remember hearing that voice and it's just like yeah that 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 was a childhood for so because he went from what was it 71 he was pretty much there and was it from like the beginning? 67 i think it was uh it was 40 was it 41 years 42 years yeah um, Something like so I that. think it was 71 is when he started. So he was like, he was countless people's childhoods. He was the voice. And I was young enough where it was always Ted Darling on the on the TV. Ted Darling did the TV games, the the live games where uh, Jenneret did the radio games. And yeah. then when Darling stepped down, Jenneret slid right in there. And it was funny because as good as Rick Jenneret was... Ted Darling was, I thought, just as good, but in a different way. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember Ted Darling games or if you maybe caught a couple of them on YouTube. He was definitely, it was great. You just, you, it was almost like, all right, do you want, do you want chicken or shrimp? Do you want, uh, you couldn't really go wrong with either. You couldn't, it was like being at a five-star being at a five-star restaurant, you're going to get a great meal no matter what you chose. Right. No matter what announcer you went with. And I think nowadays it's you get, you especially get, in hockey, it's become a little more just commercial. Yeah. Where you get, especially the national broadcast, where it's almost like, okay, these guys are broadcasting the games. They obviously know the players, but do they really know the players? Or do they really know the game? Like, it's just... They'll sit there, okay, he makes a pe- 11, passes it over to 27, who slides it back to the point, shoots, he scores. Like, that's it. Yeah. It's just, and then a lot of times they're commenting on this, that, the other thing. It was, with especially with the local announcers in hockey, especially with Generette, you felt like they actually knew the players. Not only just from the Sabres, but they knew the players from the other team. Right. Like, 
that just especially for like hockey because of how fast paced it is like you have to be on your ball to like understand who's passing to what what's going on like it's so it's so intense and like he would just bring it like if i were like sometimes like you can tell like announcers feel like stressed or kind of just so focused that they're not like really like adding to it he understood it so well that like yeah, he was focused, but he also brought fun to it. Like he wasn't like just set on like trying to figure out what's going on. He's like, I got this. Let's make this fun. Yeah. And it's just it's felt so natural. It sounded so natural for him. Yeah. Where it was just like I said, I don't think there's ever we're ever gonna hear an and not only just in Sabres in Sabres history, I think announcers like Generette, announcers like Darling who was They're, the announcer for the Bills that just recently uh, left? Van Miller left before, but then um, did he step down? Uh, I can't remember the gentleman who took over for Van Miller, who did it last season, but I think he's coming back. John? No, I was talking about like about an older, the older dude. Okay, so that would have been Van Miller. Yeah, he stepped down probably a good ten years ago ish. Yeah. But I remember when he stepped down too, because he was also the voice for. He was another one. I I think he falls under that same category as Darling and Generette. I just don't think we're gonna hear announcers like that anymore coming up. Now it's just all about the professionalism, all about getting the story, all about the sponsors, the this, the that. Where you could tell those announcers were just there for the love of the game. They were there because. It was it was a job, it was a career, but it was just fun. I mean, they got paid to not only watch the games, but announce the games, get into the games, almost like being a player without being a player. Yeah, they 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 had fun at work. And he Rick was definitely the best part of watching the Sabres for a long time. And technically still is because the Sabres suck. <laughs> but, like... I t- I really hope... And I think... I think next year they'll be at least competing for the playoffs, if not sneak into the 7th or 8th spot. But if they do, whether it's next year or the year after, whenever they get back to the playoffs and if they make a playoff run, I really hope they bring him back for the playoffs and let him announce the playoffs whether it's a year or two years, as long as he wants to and as long as he's capable, I I hope they like bring him back. back. in, like, the late 90s and, like, the early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, I just... That's the one thing that really... It would have been so nice if he could have gone out with a playoff run or even just a playoff series. Or a playoff berth. <laughs> but just go out... Man, some of those... Just reminiscing... In fact, a little spoiler alert, that's going to be one of our hot seat questions, your favorite Rick Jennerette call. But, man, just thinking back of some of those memorable calls in the playoffs, in the regular season, late in the season to clinch playoff spots, man, it just makes me fired up already. We went to the playoffs, our last time we went to the playoffs was at 07? When, when, was, when was the Stanley Cup final? The Stanley Cup final? Yeah. That was the 99-2000 season? Okay. Or 98-99? Um, and then 
yeah, I, I'm trying to. We made it pretty far after that again, right? No, we we lost. I think the the last time we went far was when we lost to Carolina in the Eastern Conference Finals, and that would have been the the Drury Briere year. So like that was like oh five. That would have been like oh five oh six somewhere around there. But that was when we literally went into that game against Carolina with like where we lost at almost every single defenseman on the team. Where I think the la- the the straw that broke the camel's back was Jay McKee um, had like a cut on his on his shin that turned into a staff infection and he couldn't play. Literally, it was um, they made the announcement that he wasn't going to play the morning. Of the game, where oh, he he didn't get hurt. It was I, apparently he got cut the night before or something in practice, yeah. and it turned into a staff infection where he couldn't play. So that was the year we had Chris Drury, uh, Breer, um, Vanek, that Afenic, was Afenic, Afenigenov, um, and um, uh, Biron in goal, right? Mm, Marty Biron? No, it would have been Ryan Miller. Was it I Ryan think. Miller? I believe it would have been Ryan Miller. Oh, 2004 we had beer on. Yes. We had him in 2004. But yeah, um, that makes... I was trying... When you were talking about that, I was trying to think in my head. I was just like... So what? I was born in 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005. So that make, I was thinking about... I was like, huh, like when I was younger... And my dad was being so kind to the TV. Um, I like how you put it there, being kind to the TV. Yeah, um, makes sense because I was, I was uncoherently witnessing my dad lose his mind watching the the playoffs of the Sabres games, and I was fully unaware that the bill that the that the Sabres were in the playoffs, let and like. All that fun. That was, I remember all those names. Yeah, it would have been, would have been the, um, 2000, 2005-2006 season. So it would have been in June of of '06, Stanley Cup, um, Game Seven, Stanley Cup, Sabers versus Hurricanes, and in the Eastern Conference Finals, and it was that was the year where Edmonton, um, went to the. Uh, went through the West as the eight seed. So they won the West as the eight seed, and Carolina ended up, I think they, if they didn't sweep them, they beat Edmonton in five. And that was this, going into that season, once Edmonton won, I forgot who they knocked off in the West, but it was just like, okay, whoever won this game seven, Buffalo or Carolina, is pretty much going to be your Stanley Cup champion. And it was, like I said, we... We lost so many defensemen. We went in, I think, with um, Michael Card, Michael Funk. Um, there's another gentleman. Like we pretty much brought up at least four defensemen from Rochester. Jeez. I mean, we just got we still had our decimated, though, right? Yeah, and we just, and I think it still went to overtime. I think they lost in overtime. But it was just, man, what you just, if you win that game, if you win that game, they get one. Speaking of that, we are playing the Hurricanes right now. Yes, we are playing the Hurricanes. The game started at 7 or 7.30. 
Uh, seven. Do we have an update on the score? Do we want to score? Zero. All right. I'll take uh, it. Isn't this like Rick's last game? No, he's going to co or he's going to do the, I think their last game of the season is uh, Chicago, which I think it's on the road, but he is going to announce the last game of the season. Okay. So it is Chicago. No, I actually know um, a person whose dad was on that Hurricane Stanley Cup winner game or cha- uh, team. Who's that? Um, my friend's name is Emerson, but their last name is Adams. Kevin um, Adams? Yeah, that's her dad. You mean the new the GM of the Sabres? No, no, no. Isn't the GM Kevin Adams? No, she, her dad was on Carolina. Yeah, but it isn't Kevin Adams. He's the GM of the Sabres now. Is he? I think so. It's been a while since I watched the uh, Sabres. Oh, wow, he is. Yeah. Yeah. That's her dad. Oh, and, that's cool. And she used to tell me. Um, yeah, because he was a member of that Carolina team in 05, 06. Well, yeah, and he went to Clarence. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, I didn't realize he went to Clarence, but yeah. I knew he was from the area. I was friends with his daughter, um, and she told me once, like when I first met her, she was like, "Yeah, I go to Carolina every summer," and I'm like, or like sometimes, and I'm like, "Why?" He's like, "Oh, because like my dad has like their championship reunion," like, and I was like, "What?" And it was like my dad was like on a Stanley Cup winning Hurricanes, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and she's like, "Here's a picture with me," like in the cup and i was like what <laughs> are you talking about and she's and she's like yeah i used to do it when i was like four or five and i was like what i still can't comprehend this yeah no and that was i mean i so far bringing in kevin adams as a gm bringing in granado as a coach Again, we for the last couple of years, the last decade, well, the Sabres have a lot of talent. Well, look at Rochester. They have a lot of talent. Look at the draft picks. They have a lot of young talent potential. I think that was true. I don't think I, but I think this time it's true that they have the co- they have the young talent. But I think they found they found their Bean McDermott. Yeah, I think it's it's still early on, but I think they found their Bean McDermott. I think Don Granado has done a great job getting the younger guys on the same page, especially what they've done the last month, month and a half. I mean, they've been they've been on a pretty good hot streak. I think at one point they were seven, seven, two and one or seven, one and two in their last ten. I mean, they were they were on a pretty good hot streak and still are on a pretty decent hot streak. I know they lost uh last night or two nights ago I, against Florida. I was at that game. But they're they're actually I think they're starting to bring the fans back. I know for me, it's been a while since I've watched a Sabres game. I was a big-time hockey fan. In fact, every year, uh, usually the home opener fell. Sometimes it would fall right on my birthday. Other times it would be, you know, give or take a day. But, you know, Vicky would always get me tickets, you know, to the home opener. And we'd yeah. try to go, besides that, we'd try to go with at least five, six, seven games a year. But over the last couple of years, it's, you know what? Hun, let's. Uh, I don't need tickets this year, or I, I think the last time I went to a hockey game was probably, I don't know, three, four years ago. It's just, but it, it, it was the passion wasn't there. I didn't. I'd rather 
go out and cut the grass. But now I feel like it's, you know, it's starting to come back a little bit. And not the fact that they're winning, because they're still going to miss the playoffs oh, by, a, by a good amount. But this year I've turned into a couple games or tuned into a couple games on TV just to just to see what the younger kids are doing. Just because you hear the good the good feedback from Granado. Yeah. Where you're getting, all right, we lost, especially early on in the season, well, we lost five in a row, six in a row, but Thompson's scoring. Skinner's back to showing promise where he can carry a line. Cousins is good. Cousins is looking good. Um, so he's getting he's getting the most out of these players. Not only getting the most out of these players, but he's developing their talent. And I'm hoping that next year, or worst case, the year after, it carries on and they become a playoff team. Probably not, but... I think next year... Mark my word, I think next year, if they don't make the playoffs, at least this time next year, we're talking about, hey, they're only a, they're only five points back. They're only two or three points back. You know, if they make a hot, if they get on a hot run here, they could get into that eighth spot. So I think, and I think the year after that, there's no, there's no reason they shouldn't be in the playoffs. Didn't we say that about the Bills a long time ago? Listen, we don't talk about those were the dark ages. We don't talk about those times anymore. We're past those times. <laughs> For how long? For at least ten years. Yeah. At least a decade. No. At least a decade. I'm not saying Buffalo's gonna be a Super Bowl contender every single year for the next ten years. I'm not saying they can't be, but <laughs> I think they will at least be making the playoffs for at least the next ten years. We haven't made the playoffs consistently. Like we have we did once, then we didn't, and then we did again. But we will. And then we did. And then Well we've made it when's the last time we missed made the playoffs? It three out of four times. Yeah. In the past four seasons. So I'd say that's consistent. I don't see us missing the playoffs next year. I don't see us missing the next now again, all this is contingent on injuries. You know, if Josh Allen is out week two for the end of the season, okay, we're chances are we're not making the playoffs. It'd be like the Sabres when like Chris Drury and Daniel Breer just said, see ya, and then left. We've got Josh Allen locked up after this year for what, eight more years? I remember when that happened. I was in art class and I found out that they just yeeted out of here. Yeah. They're, like, was... I'm, they're like, I'm sick of this place. And they just left. Well, I think Drury always wanted to play in the Rangers, and I think for whatever reason, Sabres management, the rumors Sabres management went hard to try to get Drury because they could only, quote-unquote, afford one of them or wanted to bring back one of them. And then by the time they realized, Drury said, well, sorry, guys, I'm piecing out to uh, New York. Briere, the guy who wanted to be here the entire time, kind of looked at them, well, what am I, your second place? Yeah. Peace out. I'm going to Philly type yeah. of deal. And he came back, too, after, like, he came back for, like, some sort of, like, RJ, like, ceremony or something. Breer did. Jury did not. Yeah, I was going to say, Breer was on, he was there on the first, wasn't he? The la This past little, or was it a previous one? No, he was there sometime this past couple of days. Yeah. I wonder what Chris Drury's doing now. I wonder what a Fennec ever ended up doing. Drury, I think, 
he's front office. I don't think he's general manager or anything, but I think he's front office in the Rangers. I think he's still within the Rangers organization somewhere. Ah, dude, maximum Fenneganoff, favorite player of all time. Favorite player of all time. Really? Oh, yeah. I don't know why. Just just was. He, he was fast. He was quick. He was a quick dude. I think he was, and this might sound as an insult, but I'm, I'm taking it as a compliment. He was a poor man's Alex Mogilny. Yeah. He was a poor man's Alex Mogilny. I think the talent was there. I don't think the talent was on Mogilny's level, but I don't think that's a big knock against him. I mean, I think I think Afena Genoff showed flashes of it. He could, if he had the right training, he could have been phenomenal. But he just was very sporadic, and nobody knew really how to coach it. He was sporadic. I think you're right. I think where uh, Ruff would have been his coach for predominantly his whole Saber career. Mm-hmm. I think Ruff. I think you're right. I think Ruff didn't really know exactly how to use him, exactly how to get to him, exactly how to push his buttons to, well, to get was, the talent out. He kind of got lost between Drury and, and Briere, too. Like, those were the two main focuses, and then we had McGee in the back. Like, Afeniganov was just there, and sometimes he'd appear, and then sometimes he'd disappear. But I think I think Ruff was so focused on like, okay, like Drury and Briere are up front. Like we got these two guys. Like let's let's utilize them. Afeniganov just just be around, and he was around. He, he had some okay times. Now speaking of media and sports, do you think sometimes? You, I mean, you get some Russian players, some uh, um, Swiss Swiss players that don't speak the language. Yeah. <laughs> that like I know a Fenegonov, even Mogilny when he first came over to the Sabres, a lot of times if they were interviewed, it was short, simple, yes, no, okay. What are you gonna, what are you gonna do for the next game? Yes. Yes. Good. I play good. Or they, they <laughs> spoke very, very limited yeah, English. They spoke very broken English. Or they had uh I forgot the player was who had a translator with him where he would kind of translate yeah, that I think is sometimes where you don't see the Russian players into the spotlight, like where Crosby's, uh, Gretzky's, Lemieux's would be, even Briere and Drury. I think that's why they were getting a lot of the pub, as Afenigenov was kind of fading in the background, or even Miro Shatan yeah. when he had his run was kind of fading in the background a little bit because they, and it's not that they were horrible interviewers but they you couldn't understand them i think it's just like as you know their careers progress like i look at ovechkin one of my favorite players of all time and like when he first started you could not understand what he was saying because that russian accent was thick but you know now nowadays like you can he gets interviewed and you can understand him he actually speaks just because he's been around it um so maybe like maybe not right off the bat but after a couple years they're like Okay, what do you think? And he was like, "Oh, you know, I think I'm doing pretty good." And like, you, it's the accent's still there, but you can actually understand it. And it's and that's the thing too. Like, I was at the Sabres game, and I was like looking at like the players being announced, and I was like, "Oh man, I would not want to have the job trying to announce these names out loud." <laughs> like, I was just like, I would not, because I would butcher them. And I was like, "My gosh, like, 
you don't go back to the days where you have like a, a Rick Martin, like a Steve Martin on. It's just like those days are gone. It's just all these names, like Braden Holpe, like that easy, easy. Just like oh Rasmus Stalin, okay stretch, and then like. Uh, Rasmus, uh, what was it? Not Rasmus. Rasmus Aspland, Rasmus Ristolainen. Ristolainen, and it's like Acaposo. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Back in Detroit when they had the Russian Red Army, it was uh, Kozlov, Fatisov, Fedorov. Yeah. Um, Pat Larry, LaFontaine. Larry Arnoff. LaFontaine. La 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 la. And that's carrying into our hot seat question number one. Matt, your favorite Rick Jenneret call. One. I, I like Pat LaFontaine. Now, w- did you like any like version of it, or was it just the just, whatever? Just, just any kind of. I just like the the whole, <laughs> the whole la 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 LaFontaine. It, it gives me like one of those like Spanish like soccer goal, like the goal. Yeah, yeah. It was la 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 It was just, just. I don't know. You could tell when he'd say it. It was just pure excitement. <laughs> I loved one of the one of the favorite ones was "Tis the season, fa la 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 Fontaine." Just, <laughs> and that's just it. Especially with those, he'll make the calls, but there's times where he'll improvise it or he'll do a spin on it just to keep it fresh. Yeah. But the La Fontaine goals or La Fontaine calls were were clutch. I want to say the Mayday goal. I don't want to be cliche and say the Mayday goal, even though that might be one of the greatest calls of all time. That won the best the bracket. Did you know that? That won the series. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That that was the goal that swept it in overtime. That was well, game no, four. That call. Oh, did that win the the call that, the, the best RJ call bracket? I think it's got to. It's it's the best. <sighs> I want to say that one that stood out, and I guess it really wasn't a call, but the Ottawa brawl, and especially when Ruff was going nuts on the bench oh, with yeah. um, with Brian Murray. I remember when that happened. That was outstanding. That's another one that I just listened that to on YouTube the other day. Fight. That was fantastic. Um, I guess I'm gonna go Mayday. I mean, Mayday. it okay. was just. I remember that as a kid. I think I would have been. I don't know, uh, eight, nine, ten, something like that, maybe eleven. It just, it was one of those for me. It was for me early, early Sabers memories were okay. They get into the playoffs, lose to Montreal in the first round, lose to Boston in the first round. The occasional time where they would lose to Quebec in the first round, they were always getting to the playoffs. They would lose in the first round. This was the first time as a kid I can remember them getting to the second round like oh my goodness we got wait we got another series we got more hockey (laughs) and it was just it was awesome i mean it was again downtown buffalo was it just went nuts you saw people in the uh in the streets with the with the brooms sweeping up the streets because they swept the big bad bruins yeah it was it was awesome it was a great time so i'm going with mayday all right all right i like that i like that um, we'll stick it on hockey. Um, first, like, shot you learned how to do, like, playing, like, ball hockey or, like, anything like, like that. Like, street hockey. Wrist- yeah, like, the first kind of shot, like, you actually, like, learned how to do. Learned how to do? 
attempted to do. I think everybody attempts the slap shot first. Yeah. Well, it took I mean, me a while to get to, but I'd say the first that I actually like learned, like somebody actually showed me, but like, all right, you got it. Was just a simple wrist shot. Yeah, that was mine too. Just and a it was simple just a wrist buddy shot. Buddy of mine, he was like, I do like I put like the tip of the nose, like the nose, like, yep. and then I flick up mm-hmm. and I I get it right in the, like that. I remember when he first taught me, like, taught me that. Like, as soon as that happened, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I just changed the game." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "This is my secret weapon," and like, unbeknownst to me, like, that's like everything. I still do that to this day. The exact same motion. Yeah, it's just uh, I think my cousin Rocky showed me it. It was just, and it once you get it, like, wait, really? Mm-hmm. Like, I can, like, I don't have. It's it's not that much effort to make it go like up. faster yeah. and harder okay. and up. But yeah, once you get that that's that's uh, wrist shot, especially when you can get it into the top corner, and you're just like, oh, that's just so cool. Yeah, dude, that was the best feeling ever. You just, you felt like you just like you you learned the the key, the secret. All right, Damn, all right, that was mine. I got question three. Favorite coaches interview of all time. Oh, coaches. Favorite interview. coaches interview. Not players. We've always we've seen some players say some ridiculous stuff, but favorite coaches interview or most memorable for you of all time. I'm going to go one, the one that stands off. I wanted to do the Jim Mora playoffs. Playoffs. But I think the one where Dennis Green when he was in Minnesota and just I I forgot who beat them. Where he just lays like we let him off the hook, you know they were who they say oh, they were, yeah. and he just you could just tell it was just so raw the emotions, where they they had them they had them beat I forgot I think it was the Bears maybe, but I forgot who, who the team was but they had him beat and he was just like they are who they thought we you know they are who we thought they were, you know we had we let him off the hook like it was he wasn't holding anything back yeah. he was just like you know he wanted to say but like. We're like we're better than like we should have beat them. We you know we should have beat them. Here, we had the beat. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, you could tell he was just he was holding back, but he wasn't holding back. It was just it was raw. It was emotional. <laughs> he wasn't thinking. He was just letting it out. Yeah. And I think for me that was just the best interview because we've all had those games. If you coach long enough, you have a game where you just you know whether it was they beat you right off the bat and they shouldn't have beat you. Or you let a two or three goal lead slip away, or you just like it was just you want to say, but like you don't want to be that guy saying they didn't beat us, we beat them. But at right. the same time, we beat us, they didn't beat us. Right. I guess my favorite interview was the Rex Ryan interview for like his first interview as the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, like when they hired him and he was just he basically was just spitting out a bunch of stuff about like trying to get us like excited. He was like, We're gonna beat the Patriots and imagine everybody's like, Yeah and it's like we're gonna go to the Super Bowl. Like, yeah and like both of which never happened. Like he was basically just poking like pressing the buttons that he knew would get us to want it. He's like, We're gonna we're gonna hit Brady and we're like, Yeah and just meanwhile like Covering up the fact that he just could not coach. <laughs> it was like it was like a, a political candidate who would say, "We're gonna yeah. lower taxes, all right." Yeah, yeah. And then like after like are you like, "All right, we trust you." And then we get him in, and they're like, "You're not doing what you told us. <laughs> this is not you. You you promised us lies." Yeah, I think that might be my favorite, just because of how 
badly he contradicted himself. <laughs> that was that was classic. And then came the shortly after, wasn't it? The, the he had the Bills truck or the yeah, truck he, painted. Then he him. proceeded to get his tattoo covered tattoo up. Tattoo changed to a bill and or something. And then the wrap around his truck. Oh, Rex Ryan. I don't think we'll ever see him at a sideline again. No, he's an announcer. I know he's an announcer. His brother is still coaching. Rob mm-hmm. is? Mm-hmm. I know he didn't he bring Rob yeah. to Buffalo as yeah. for like partway in during his last season. Rob part- is Rob is rubbing his gut calling blitzes still. Because that's the <laughs> the occasional cover two man, but that's usually indigestion and then it'll switch right back to a blitz. <laughs> we used to make a joke and be like when the Bills were like close to winning, like Rob, Rex was on like on the sidelines, like everybody rub Rob's gut, everybody rubs Rob's gut for luck. <laughs> Come on! It's like instead of rubbing like the like the shaved kid's head, like it's you just rub the gut, rub the gut. Yeah, because that's where I think when Rob Rob got fired mid season from New Orleans from the Saints, yeah. and then he came, I think the last five or six games, and was Buffalo's assistant defensive coach or something. Kept on calling blitz after blitz after blitz after blitz after blitz. Mm, yep. And then they're just like, well, we just throw it, and the secondary's open. (laughs) Oh, there it was. Oh, the Ryan experience. I brought in Shaq Lawson. Probably the best thing he did was bring in Shaq Lawson. We brought him back. Yeah. He was like, that was probably the best thing he did. He was like, I see unfulfilled potential and talent in this kid. And, oh, he's right. Like, he's a good... He's a good rusher. I think he's gonna be. A, I think he's gonna have a bit of a career resurgence here with the Bills. I think he's gonna be. I don't think he's gonna put up huge numbers like 10, 12 sacks, but I think he's. He'll get some hurries. I think he'll probably get four or five sacks a season. This better not be just like everybody. Let's come back to Buffalo for a reunion and poop the bed. And no, listen, it's Super Bowl or bust. It's Super Bowl or bust this year. I'm saying that right now. All right. All right. What are we? Question four. Yeah. All right. What do you got? Uh, favorite movie quote. Ooh, favorite movie quote. That's a good one. Yeah, right. Um, I'm trying to think of some of my favorite movies, and then narrowing it down from there. Yeah, that's fair. Um, do you have one? I do. All right, what's yours? Well, I think a little bit. It's from Forrest Gump. Because okay. I can quote almost that. Is it "Life is like a box of chocolate"? No, it's not. okay. It's when he's running. I took a look at my hat and oh, the Bubba Gub, no, uh, the smiley face. Um, but this isn't my favorite quote. But um, when he was like running and like he wiped his face with like the towel and like it came out to be like the perfect, yeah, quote. that that have a nice day, yeah, <laughs> no. But my favorite quote is that from like I think like that exact same scene, too. He's like running with like somebody and they're like, Hey man, I just really like thinking like, oh my gosh, you just stepped through dog shit. And he was like, it happens. And he was like, what? Shit. And he was like, sometimes. <laughs> like, that is my true motto in life is like, it happens. And sometimes it just happens. <laughs> but you just got to keep going. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Um, what I. I don't know if this is my favorite, but this one, once you said that, this one came to mind from Dodgeball. And he's like, you know, is that really necessary? Like when he was, you know, throwing the wrenches at him, if oh, you could yeah. dodge him, he's like, is that necessary? He's like, necessary? Was it necessary that I drink my own urine? <laughs> no, but it's sterile and I like the taste. 
<laughs> I love I love that. You can five D's in dodgeball. Dive, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. You said dodge or dodge, dip, dive, dodge, Stop. duck, dip, dive, and dodge. You said dodge twice. <laughs> and he throws a wrench at him. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great movie. Oh. Uh, all right, question five. What do we got to bring this home? Hmm. Oh, best interaction with just like, you know, public. Like, so, like, say, like, you're going like a uh, some sort of like customer service. F- favorite interaction in a customer service kind of way. So, like, say, like, you walk into like a Target and something and you're just like, hey, do you have like t shirts? And they're like, sometimes my cat licks its butt. And then just like, like, Weird interactions you have with like customer service employees. Okay, I hope a customer service employee is gonna ask if I can't lick my butt, but I don't think I'm going back there. Um, one interaction, it was funny. You know how um, when you're going to like the Galleria Mall. In fact, it was at the Galleria, but when you're outside one of the stores and you, it, there'll be uh, the employees will be outside the store and they try to get you in yeah. like they try hey we've got a we've got a, the newest video games or we've got a deal coming where they try to draw you in yeah i remember i was walking by one of the they had like a salon there or a beauty parlor or whatever anyways i was walking by it and the girl was out there and she's you know trying to get people and you could tell she was just setting her pitch but really not paying attention to who she's saying it to so me of course i go out there with my bald head in fact i i was freshly <laughs> shaved like the day before and she's you know sending her pitch she's like oh you know we're offering hairstyles and this and that and she looks like she again not paying attention she looks sir can i offer you like a free wash and 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 shampoo or whatever with your hair and i kind of look at her i'm like really She's like, yeah, and that that's after I said really. That's when she kind of looks and it, clicks. and it clicks, and she still kept on with her oh, whole routine. Yeah. She's like, yeah, we do the whole this and the rinse and the – and she tried to sell it at the end. She tried to, well, we do a scalp massage, and I'm like, thanks. I, I, I think I'm good. <laughs> thanks, but I have real shopping too <laughs> and proceeds to walk into Hollister <laughs> like right next door. So – I that was my I guess weirdest I like it. Uh, weirdest customer service experience that I could think of. Again, I, you could tell she just wasn't paying attention yeah. until she saw like ooh, was like that soulless wrong bitch. person. Um, I went to Ted's Hot Dogs and this is I used to have like a really big like phobia of like talking to people like in public like going to people and talking to them. And now you have a podcast. Uh, well, I'm, it's not public either, but hey, I, you're still talking to almost eleven thousand listeners I, I, and growing. And um, so I walk in and my mom's like, "You have to go pick up the food." Like, kind of basically saying like, "Get over, it. like, get over this kind of phobia." So I walk in and um. Like, I'm waiting. Like, I'm really like, hi. And it's just like borderline, like, ready to like leave. And so this person's like, hey, what can I get you? And I was like, uh, I said my order. And he's like, all right, cool. And then he walked away. And then, um, um, the guys like start cooking the stuff. And then he's like, hey, could you get the drink order for that one, uh, for that, uh, person over there? And like, the chick was like, what person? And the guy sort of says, you know, 
fat kid with the glasses. And I was just like, this is why I don't like conversations with people. Like, it straight up was like, me. <laughs> and I was just like, why? Like, I get it. I wear glasses. My eyesight sucks. But you have to be like, that kid with the glasses. And I was, and she, as soon as she said that, she was like, what can I get you? I was just like some new eyes and pride. <laughs> <laughs> but I walked back out, kind of shaken up by it. And I told my mom, and she was like, she starts just laughing. She's like, "That's so funny." And I was like, "Thank you." Like, I'm glad my trauma can bring you joy. I'm never going here again. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, I think we're ending on that uh, Matt trauma story. <laughs> right the bullying I experienced as a child. But he got over it, and look at you now. I have, I still have glasses. <laughs> now, ever would you ever? I wear glasses too. Would you ever go with the LASIK? I thought about it. I thought about it. I don't. I still don't think I would. Really? I don't know. I mean, I I've thought about it. My brother's done it. I think my sister has done it um i've got a you know uh one of my cousins did it greg i just i know i I see a lot of success especially nowadays with it i just i don't know Eh, i don't know know. it's more of like an impulse feel for me yeah it would be nice to not have to scramble every morning to find my glasses right or but i don't think so i like being like that velma like my glasses my glasses (laughs) (laughs) all right well we're gonna wrap things up thank you again for listening remember we're still trying to break that 15,000 listener barrier we're getting closer and closer we're at you know almost 11,000 but hit the like button hit the uh, listen to our episode share our episodes to friends make sure you check us out on Facebook and Instagram at stories from the sidelines don't not only check out our episodes, but leave comments, leave questions. If you've got hot seat questions that you want us to ask, we'd love to hear them. Put comments on our page. Um, if you got topics or if you want to be a guest, please reach out to us on our Facebook or Instagram site. Matt's raising his hand. You can also. What do you got, Matt? Oh, I wanted to say something. Say something, Matt. <laughs> you can also contact him now. Um <laughs> Um, also just, you know, we might be having a YouTube channel spark up soon where you can actually see our faces that will probably make our views go down, but you know, um, or, or, or just the amount of hate comments we'll get, who knows. Um, but yeah, um, also just like write in like stories that you have, they can be anonymous if you want and we can read off some stories and just, you know. Absolutely. Share your stories. Again, does not have to be sports related. If you have a funny story you just want to talk about, I'll, I'll read it. Or if you have a coming in hot segment that you want to come in hot about, you know, and you have an opinion, we can share it and play off it on the air. I will, I will, I will put in like the John Madden to it of your story if I read it. 100%. I will amp it up if you want me to. (laughs) Absolutely. We will definitely have that and more. And as always, thank you guys for listening and we will. Be back next week for another exciting episode 
of stories from the sidelines.